Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per mile. Electric vehicles and EVs are the way of the future, but it's a big change for the commercial vehicle and the trucking industry. And there's definitely some question marks around things like performance, maintenance, repairs, total cost of operation. So how can commercial vehicle fleets adopt EVs with confidence? Well, I've got just the man to talk to us about that. My guest today is Dan Williams. He's the CEO of Emerit Fleet Solutions. And Dan, before founding Emerit, had a real background in growing companies very rapidly. Twice he's been on the 100 fastest growing companies list, so he knows how to scale and grow a company. He's applying all that he's learned in those previous companies with Emerit Fleet Solutions and turning his attention to the changing technology that is electric vehicles and EVs. Dan, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because I think that it's a very important subject. Getting fleets to adopt EVs with confidence is a big subject right now. Obviously, technology is rapidly changing. There's a lot of reasons for that. And helping fleets and and keeping the trucking industry going is of top priority. So let's start off by talking about some of the fears that commercial fleet operators might have. What are the fears that they have around adding EVs to their fleet today? I think that we can you can probably categorize them in, in into three groups. So so the first I think are fears around the, the EV units themselves. Are they going to work? Are they going to be economical? Am I going to be able to get enough of them in in the timeline that I want? And so I I think that one of the things that fleets are doing right now is they're doing a lot of pilots and they're using EV units in certain use cases because that that's really where the rubber hits the road. And so they're trying to understand how will these units perform in in different environments. And there's concerns about whether they will. I think the second area of concern is around the charging infrastructure, of course. We all know that that's going to be a bottleneck. I think as we're digging into the details, we're finding that there are certain use cases. You know, In the heavy, heavy-duty world, there's some assets that are only down a couple hours a day, which means you only have a couple hours a day to actually charge them, which takes the challenges around infrastructure and makes them even, even larger. So there's, there's a lot of concern there. And then the, the last area I would say is, which is the area that, that, that we think that we can be a part of is the infrastructure where, you know, think of training, but also think of maintenance infrastructure. And, and when these units break, will we have the infrastructure necessary to get them back on the road? Right. And there's a difference between fear and a legitimate barrier. Sometimes we just have fears about things because it's the unknown and we're uncertain about it. And then there's like the actual barriers. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of those barriers that are legitimate and and that perhaps are slowing down the adoption to some degree? You know, in the immediate term, I, I think 
I think production capacity of the OEMs is certainly slowing, slowing us down. That's going to be addressed in the coming 12, 24 months. I think grid, the grid and charging infrastructure is another real barrier that people are, are facing today. I think the other thing that folks are starting to think about is the batteries and the infrastructure around the manufacturer batteries, the raw materials associated with that. There isn't a lot of domestic manufacturing capability. A lot of that is with other countries, which creates all kinds of challenges and risks. So I think that that's going to be one that we're going to be seeing in the coming coming months. Right. And some of the conversations I've had with fleets, they've got a real concern also around their technicians and their maintenance people. This is like, yeah, okay, it's a truck and it's got wheels and and everything, but it is built very differently. And so there's got to be some barriers there where they're saying, look, we already are short on technicians. We're short on drivers. There's going to be a training curve here. And and that's got to be one of the factors as well. That Has that something you found? Oh, yeah, for sure. Hiring good technicians, retaining them, training them, that's a challenge today. And right now, there's there's far more demand than there is supply. So in when you, when you bring in something new, something that requires new training, that requires new infrastructure, new equipment, that just makes those challenges even even worse. And, and that's that's certainly something the fleets are worried about. You know, how we're trying to address that is a program that we're calling EV Ready. So, you know, Emerit has 1,600 technicians today. We're in all major markets. And we're also working, you know, our, our primary customers are very large fleets. So they're also going to be early adopters of EV. And so what we're doing is we're working with OEMs, we're working with our customers, we're getting our technicians trained so that we are ready when our customers begin receiving the pilot units, begin receiving EV units. We want to be able to support them in that journey. So let me ask you something. With some of those fleets, they've got their own repair facilities. They employ their own technicians. Have you found that some of those fleets are saying, hey, look, we're going to keep taking care of the stuff we know, and we'll bring a merit in to help us with this new program and just kind of like see how it goes? Has that been one of the situations you've seen? That's one of the situations. Although I think the more common situation is where the customers are looking for a single provider that can be able to maintain both their ICE as well as EV units. And so that's that's really more so where we're focusing. We're making sure that we've got technicians that can handle both types of assets as well as the infrastructure and the tooling that can handle. Because you know, at, at the end of the day, most of the work is being done on site, on off hours with our customers. And so getting to the facility is part of the economics. And so when we're there, we want to be able to do as much work as possible. And that's that's the way to make the technicians as, as efficient as possible. I can see a situation like uh, today I'm wearing a Thank a Trucker t-shirt and it says, if you're wearing it, eating it or drinking it, you know, it probably was brought on a truck. So thank, thank a trucker. To me, what I think when you just said that is that these fleets may have made the strategic decision to say, look, we're good at what we do which is transportation and logistics, we're going to bring in Emerit because that's what they're good at. And that allows us to just focus. Is that those are the kind of clients that, that you work with? Absolutely. I mean, so if you, you know, I said already that that hiring and training and retaining technicians is is very challenging. And so that is all we do. And so we're very focused on it. We think that we do it, we do it well, but it's still a challenge. And so what we what we typically see is that customers want to focus on their core business. They want to focus their attention in other areas and they they let us work work with the technicians. There must have been a point in time a few years ago where you said, look, this is going to be a strategic objective for our company. We're going to focus on EV because it's not like you can just turn a switch and have all of your 1600 technicians ready to go all at once. So like, when did you make that decision? Well, tell us a bit of that story. 
Yeah. So, I mean, certainly we, like the industry, have been have been talking about it, have been thinking about it now for a couple of years. And, and I think what, what we are seeing, I think like many are seeing, is that the, the pace of adoption is speeding up. And so we've been we've been reacting accordingly. So I, I would say that really last year, early last year, we started making moves, started started introducing ourselves to some of the OEMs, started forming relationships, started thinking about jointly developing training materials and how are we going to train these technicians. So we're we're probably 12, 18 months, in some cases, 24 months into those relationships. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't have a heavy duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com aftermarket. We're back from our break. And before the break, we were talking about how the adoption of electric vehicles is accelerating in the trucking industry. And with that, it brings unique challenges, which Emerit is putting itself strategically in place to help the trucking industry to adopt EVs with confidence. Dan, you've made some strategic partnerships with EV truck manufacturers. For instance, there's a press release about a partnership with Nikola, why are service agreements with OEMs an important part to helping fleets adopt EVs? Yeah, sure. So we're, we're in discussions with a large number of OEMs. In fact, probably close to all of them. We're really excited about those discussions. And I think when you when you think about the OEMs, we sort of think of them in two categories. The first is the incumbent OEMs that that have established dealer networks, and then the newer OEMs that do not. So for the latter, it, the, the way that we can support them is, is obvious. You know, they're trying to think about how are they going to build nationwide networks of maintenance providers so that they can ensure that their assets are maintained reliably and quickly and also make sure that they can honor their warranty, warranty needs. You know, as I said, Ameris got 1,600 technicians. We're in all major markets today. In many instances, we're working with customers that are either taking possessions of the assets or plan or, or that they're prospects of the OEM. So there's a lot of synergy there and it makes a lot of sense for us to be working with them to try to support those vehicles as they come online. On the OEMs that have established dealer networks, I think those, those conversations are a little more nuanced, but there's still a lot of opportunity. You know, I said already, demand right now is far outstripping supply. And you think of that both in terms of maintenance capacity, as well as just the ability to retain or to, to receive units. And so the customers, more than ever, are demanding that when a vehicle breaks, they want it fixed quickly. And so all of us are struggling with with how to do that. So when we talk to the OEMs, it it, it isn't a conversation around either or, you know, it could be either a merit or the dealer networks. What we're talking about is how can we augment the dealer networks? We, We all want the same thing. We want a customer to have confidence that when their vehicle breaks, it will be fixed quickly and safely. And so the more that we can all work to give, together to give customers confidence in that, we're, we're all going to win. Yeah. Speaking of warranty, one of the things I've been curious about, like not only from the, the service perspective, also from the parts perspective. So you have our traditional truck manufacturers. They've got their dealer networks. We kind of understand how that traditional model works. But with some of these new manufacturers, it, it seems to me like they're even more interested in, in complete vertical integration. So how is the, the warranty work going to be handled in those situations where they don't have the traditional model like we're used to? Yeah, sure. So 
you know, I think that there's going to be uh, similarity in, in differences. So the similarity is going to be whether it's ICE or EV, OEMs are always going to want to have tight control over who is providing warranty work. And, and they want to do that because it's, it's good business for them. They also want to do that because they want to know that whoever's touching their assets is trained properly to do so. And of course, they should do that. That's going to continue. I think the question then becomes, you know, today, most of the people that are authorized to do that work are the dealer networks. I think that certainly, as I mentioned, for the OEMs that don't have those networks, they're going to be thinking about who is going to be doing that work. Even for the established, the OEMs that do have established networks, though, I think they're going to be thinking about how can I give customers confidence that repairs can happen quickly? And they're going to need to do that more so to be competitive and to, and to, to be the ones that the OEMs choose or the customers choose. So I think that what you're going to see is the tools that they use, the, the providers that they authorize might start to expand. That makes a lot of sense. How concerned are you about some of the new trucks that are coming out that are EVs? Like I've seen some advertising that instead of having thousands of replacement parts, they only have like 22. Do you think in the long run, we're going to see a real decline in parts and service over time? Or what's your kind of viewpoint on that? I think our viewpoint is probably similar to everybody else's, which is, is we think that there is going to be a decline in the maintenance needs. But first of all, there's always going to be maintenance required. And second of all, I think we don't really know how these units are going to be performing in actual on-the-road use cases. Drivers are always going to have driver abuse, and there's always going to be repairs that are needed. So, so I think we think that, yes, the volume per unit of maintenance is going to go down, but I think that there's always going to be repair, repair requirements. Right. And then I guess there is a difference, too, like you said, where we have like an acute problem where something broke and that vehicle needs to be fixed versus the regular maintenance. So from your viewpoint, what are your thoughts on how those two different scenarios are going to be handled? Similarly to the way that they're handled today. You know, I I think that customers are ultimately focused on uptime and they're very focused on making sure that when they make a vehicle available, either because they had no choice because it broke or because they've made it available for a PM, they want the service provider to respond quickly and get that unit back on the road quickly. And so I, I, you know, ICE, EV, I, I don't really see that, that requirement changing. When I think about the whole situation and how, you know, yes, technology is going to change things, but there's also a couple like factors with, with humans that are at play here. For example, we already have a huge shortage of drivers. So maybe autonomous vehicles will help solve a problem. We already have a shortage of technicians and it's not like, like, you know, birth rates are declining in the West. So it's not like there's going to be an abundance of people in, in future generations. I think there's going to be extreme competition for the young people coming up in every industry. So in a lot of ways, it might be that the ones who are left behind in the industry and are continuing to work in this industry are just fine because technology helps solve some of these big issues that we're facing on shortages. Sure. There is real training that is needed to be able to support EV units. There's real infrastructure. We're making investments in in some of our infrastructure today to be able to support the units. So I I think that, that what you may also find is that there are some small garages out there that you know, they've started to be toying with the idea of retirement and they are faced with, do I make this investment to keep going or do I maybe use this time to, to stop? And so I think that you are going to start to see that some of the supply is going to be a little constrained. I think that's probably going to go along with the dynamics of, of reduced demand. So we like to sometimes focus on what's going to change because we're, you know, we all have some natural concerns and fears because of the unknown from your perspective, what's going to stay the same that we can count on moving forward? 
a lot's going to change for sure. But, but, you know, how we think about it is as long as there are assets, those assets are going to break. And when they break, customers are going to want them to be fixed. They're going to want them to be fixed quickly. They're going to want them to be fixed with professionals. And they're going to want to know, most importantly, that, that those assets, when, when fixed, are safe to be on the road. That's, that's never going to change. And so, so we see you know, the fundamentals of providing maintenance, providing it on a nationwide scale, providing it to large fleets. We think that those fundamentals are, are, are going to stay the same. And, you know, we're excited to be to be a part of what's going on. Our, our customers are doing really amazing things. We're, we're excited to be partners with the OEMs. We're excited to be part of this change. So so I, th- I think for us as a company, we look to the future. We, we feel a lot of hope. And, you know, in today's world, that that feels pretty good. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Dan Williams, the CEO at Emerit Fleet Solutions. To learn more about their company, visit emeritfleetsolutions.com. Links will be in the show notes. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the Heavy Duty Parts Report and sharing your story and your experience and, and also giving us a window into the world of EVs. I really appreciate you being on the show. You bet. Likewise. Thanks for having me. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.